You're listening to the Empowering Process Podcast with your host, Gail Kraft. Listen as she holds frank discussions around how your purpose, being present, and trusting your power impacts your life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, leader, or developing your vision, you'll find wisdom and insights you can utilize right now. Welcome your host, Gail Kraft. Hey, everybody, Gail Craft here from the Empowering Process podcast, and thank you so much for being here. I have with me this amazing woman that I met years and years ago at a retreat. It's Simone Parks, and she is a comedian, but she's currently also working as a management consultant at the Attorneys for Freedom law firm in of all places, Hawaii isn't that tough to take. She uses laughter to heal the world. She has a podcast, Peace Talks, um, which is live. And there is just so much that I would love, love, love to share with you. So Simone, we have so many stories to share. We'll try to keep it short. So many. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's going to be so much fun. So we met at a retreat. We're at 29 Palms in the middle of the desert. And um, there are a few stories that I I would love to share with the audience. One, which I think is hilarious. We spent the whole day climbing mountains and, you know, camping out and just doing all this rough, tough stuff. And we get back to our room and the both of us like, holy moly, look at the tan we got. And we took a shower. (laughs) It was just dirt. Yeah. It was just dirt. How filthy we were. (laughs) It's good to get dirty sometimes, though. It's good to get dirty sometimes. But during that experience, um, one of the other opportunities we had during that was to actually have some very serious self defense training. And I remember when it started, we were all sitting around and there's a gentleman on the stage and he starts talking and you get chosen and attacked from behind. And I'm like, holy crap, what's going on? What's going on? And, you know, he, his point was, we're not being aware. Mm, right? Ooh, ooh yes. that hit me. Yeah, That hit me, Gail. I, <laughs> it's funny because I remember being such a keener I was so excited, but I was still applying my school mentality to this, uh, this, this workshop. I think it was four or five days. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get, you know, we're in the middle of Joshua tree. And I remember I was wearing these baggy crotch pants that I bought in Morocco when I lived and worked there. And, you know, I'm like, okay, we have three minutes before the first day starts. I'm just going to meditate. So I'm front row center. I'm like the biggest dork. Just like, I'm ready to learn guys front row center. And I sit down and I start meditating. And I'm broken out of my meditation with a white male on top of me with both hands around my neck saying, you little effing Chinese bitch. Right. And I remember my, in my mind, I was thinking I'm Korean. (laughs) And so it, it was very confusing. It was very confusing. So he's, he's on top of me. He's choking me. I'm, I'm just looking up thinking, what the hell? But it didn't, it didn't feel, um, it didn't feel menacing. It didn't feel like I was in danger, right? right? Because very quickly, my mind went through this process of, hold on, we've paid a bunch of money to take this course. We're in the middle of nowhere in 29 Palms Joshua Tree, in a center. Like we've just gone through the process of logging in, checking in, you know, all of that stuff. It didn't feel unsafe to me. Right. And so I hear it just someone, felt weird. It was unusual. It was a, huh? How come this man is choking me? Like what's <laughs> going on? But still not, it didn't feel dangerous. Right. It, I didn't feel like I was in danger. And so I hear fight back. I don't know who said it. I have fight back. So I said, oh, okay. Boom. So all of a sudden my instinct kicks in. Now I'm on top of him. My knee is in his chest. And I have him by the, by the, you know, lapel or nape of his shirt. And so I'm poised, ready to punch him. But again, I'm just like, this doesn't make sense. This, this, like, I feel in my, in my head, I'm like, I don't want to hit this guy. I feel like he's a volunteer. 
Right. This this doesn't make sense that this is a crazed uh, attacker that just picked me out of the crowd. And so nobody is doing anything in the crowd. Nobody is doing anything. Right. And again, this is happening probably very quickly. Right. Like in my mind, it's very slow. And I'm just like, what has happened in my past to give me information as to how I'm supposed to handle this situation? Right. But it's probably happening in seconds, right? right? So I get on top of him and I'm like, just like, I don't want to hit this guy. I don't want to hit this poor volunteer. Then an even bigger guy tackles me. And I remember he picked me up from the back, like both bare arms. And then I heard again, like, uh, uh, I think I heard um, elbow him or some, some directive. And I said, oh, okay, like I'm supposed to do something. So I think I elbowed him, I stomped on his foot and then I heard run away. And so I'm just like meandering across the room where I'm like, what the F? Like, what the hell? What the hell was that? This is like, clearly this is part of the pro, like, you know, like yeah. you don't just walk away from a double attack. And so they explained to us later that this was kind of a psychological assessment. They wanted to see how I was going to react. I was the lucky chosen one, um, but also how everyone else in the room Right, because we had been assigned a tribe. I think it was 50 people. Right, right. 50 right? people so, to a tribe. And there were yep. four tribes, four or five tribes. Four tribes, because there's yep. 200 people as part of this event. So we split off into our tribes of 50. And this is the first day, the first minute of this event that we've come from all over the world to be a part of. We're with our new tribe. And so they were like, who's going to try to help her? Who's going to run away scared? And I think someone from our group, actually, they left. They were like, screw this, yeah. I'm out of here. So we dropped down to 49 or however many people because they were like, that was traumatic enough for them. They weren't even right. the ones being choked. I know. And, and I'm like, what, what did I get myself into that, right, that this was happening? I'm really interested to hear someone else's perspective of, because like, I only know my experience of being choked and being attacked, but what were you witnessing in this? So, so I was with exactly what you said and again the, i don't know about anyone else but for me it was also going in slow motion because it was a wtf right wait a minute you know and that and then because i had taken a self-defense course before mm -hmm. and then like oh those assholes this is what they're doing right? <laughs> Interesting. Like, that's really mean and then why did they pick her i never could figure out why they pick and i think it's because you were you were so vulnerable in lotus position meditating eyes closed eyes just closed. yeah and you know i was the perfect one to choose yeah i was were. the only one that could have been chosen truthfully but that whole that whole um experience you know there were you know lessons for sure for all of us there um but shortly after, and i mean really shortly after that we do our thing we all go our merry way you ended up in la you're downtown la or you were in la and it's a good thing that you took this training so tell well, us can we can we do whatever before we want we get there yes. before we get there because that was just the first part of that day there was a second part well there was multiple parts yeah I was gonna say that was a lot do you remember the last part of that particular day which um where we had to go from one end to the other end and fight our way past multiple there were five guys in the way protected yes so I just want to because they were teaching us how to how to harness our our internal power and they're like it's coming from your loins and just like oh it's like this power within and they had us go through a room like a very long very long room and they would set free multiple uh very heavily guarded like padded uh helmeted men men mostly i think there was like maybe all, one. i didn't i didn't i don't remember a woman being there there was maybe one woman. And I remember being very kind of like, really, y'all don't have no females, it's fine. Um, but they had a bunch of men that were ready to attack you. And your point was to get from one end to the other. And so I remember when it was my turn and immediately this 
tall, lanky guy who I think was the son of the people running the organ running that part. He came and attacked me, and instantly I was like, "You were 13 years old. You took jujitsu at the police academy with your best friend." So I went pow pow, and I just I grabbed him and I hip threw him and I threw him away. I was like, "Oh, who he?" You know, and then I go and then multiple people are attacking me and we're tussling and rolling on the ground and like we're actually hitting them and I'm exhausted and so I remember being a, a couple meters away from the finish line where we get right. to like you know but I am depleted I have fought off multiple you know masked protected men which I'm not used to doing at all and I have got nothing left in the tank and so I remember there's one final guy and he's coming towards me and I was just like, back the fuck off. And I just put my hand and it was like Powerball Z or some force. And he kind of like, he was taken aback and took a few steps back. And I just maintained eye contact and I slowly walked my ass to the end and I planted my hand on the wall. Right. And I remember all of you guys just erupted. You were like, ah! <laughs> And I never, you know, I felt so empowered in that moment. And later after we're going to talk about what happened to me when I was in LA, but uh, a, a good friend of mine who was a pararescueman. So he parachutes in, he scuba dives into these disasters. And he said, Simone, that training, I'm pretty sure like helped save your life because it put me in these situations where you're like, I don't know what's happening. I, uh, and it forces you to kind of think and navigate and not way. freeze, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and not, and not to, yeah, it's not okay to give in. That was basically it. It's not okay to give in, to, to tap into your powers. You know, there was one exercise that we did um, where we were supposed to like protect our family and, you know, attackers were coming and it wasn't an attacker so much as a street person who had the potential to attack, right? And, you know, it was at that moment, my voice, when I get frightened, shuts off. And I mm. had to get past that to be the bitch enough to mm. get that guy to walk off and, you know, leave my child or whoever I was protecting alone. Um, and so it really pushes, pushes you. They find where your weak point is and they exploit it so that you can push past it. But you made a very interesting point right there, because I think when it comes to, and I hate using the word victim, but when it comes to someone who is trying to take advantage of somebody else, they do, they, they're, they're watching you and they're right. trying to discern perceived weakness right. or when people aren't paying attention, um, you know, just someone that would be an easy, easy target. You know, they mm -hmm. want to make sure they're not going after someone who's stronger than them. Oh, no, who's looking totally aware. Yeah, they're looking for the opportunity. The um, the course that I took years ago um, it was given by a police the police department, and what they said was, make as much goddamn noise as you can. Mm. They don't want people to know what's going on, so scream, right. yell, kick. I'm supposed to have a whistle because my screaming mechanism shuts down, and oh. yes, run, run your ass off because they don't want to. I think generally speaking, you definitely don't want to be taken to another destination because I think your chances of staying alive diminish significantly once you have been taken yeah. to somewhere else. So, yeah. I mean, they might shoot you or do something while you're running, but at least you might still be alive. Well, that's what the, the police said, especially if they said to zigzag because they can't. Ah, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. They, they can't if, if there's a gun, if you notice that there's a gun, but so we get to this point, guys. I mean, this is a convoluted way to get to LA. Speaking of guns. Speaking of guns. Speaking of guns, right? Speaking of guns, indeed, yes. And opportunities. So here you are, mm. you know, um, freshly trained in self-defense and so many other things um, during that retreat. And you're in LA. Was it July? It was. Was, was it July summer? 2016? Or 2015, 2015, 2015. Wow. So that was my first, that was my reason for going to California for the first time ever. Oh, wow. I had never been to California before that. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad I was your roommate. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wonder how the other lady is doing. But I anyways, know. That's that's a different conversation. <laughs> oh boy, yes. Oh wow, interesting, interesting, interesting. So before you know, I had made that whole trip knowing that I was going to California to do this event. And I said, let's turn it into a whole month long trip because 2015, I had granted myself the whole year to find myself. And I like pulled the Dave Chappelle and I went right. to Africa minus right. the $50 million deal. And I, you know, I was just blasting through um, boundaries and barriers in my life. So I had been completely racist against my own heritage. And I went to Korea for the first time. I took my dad for his 73rd birthday. I went to California for the first time to do this event, but I went with a girlfriend of mine and we drove the whole PCH from San Francisco down. And I wound up meeting a woman in uh, LA Long Beach and she was working on something that I said, you know, I, I love what you're doing. It's helping women. And I want to just, I want to help you. So I wound up coming back and just volunteering my time to this woman and her, her mission. And then that's where the event happened. So I don't know if you want, like, we keep referring to this, like, Oh, let's refer thing. to the event. Oh, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk. Okay. About let's it. talk about it. So who. So what actually happened is that I, you know, I, 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 I made enough money to be able to just take the year off because I realized I did not know who I was. So I had no reason not to be just traveling. And, you know, I said, oh, California is great. And this woman's working on something that's going to help women everywhere. I want to contribute to that. So now I find myself staying and volunteering in Long Beach, California. Mm. The situation that I found myself in turns out to be less than desirable. Like I, I don't want to go into detail, but it just, you know, I volunteered my time and almost found myself feeling like I was a slave to this organization and it just was not working for me anymore. So I called upon this old job that I had not done in many years, but I used to have a very interesting career in my twenties where this org, uh, this company that was based out of Madrid, Spain would pick certain people and just send them to a country where our job was to get front facing with prime ministers and presidents and the top CEOs and pitch them on a, on a branding campaign an advertising campaign, usually working with a very well-known media. Um, Forbes was kind of my jam. So we were authorized representatives of these medias. And so I had somehow negotiated my way to them pulling me out of retirement and they let me choose where I wanted to go. And I had met some other guy and I said, oh, we're in the Caribbean. And so we decided the island of Dominica. I'm going to go to the island of Dominica. So I'm literally, I have my passport with me, which just exclusively traveling to find myself and like figure out who Simone is. Um, I have my passport on me. That is my, that is my lifeline. That is my supreme you know ability to go where i want and just do whatever i want is this one piece this one thing and so i'm just you know working out the cell phone stuff and like how am i going to do all this if i'm not going to be in the country and just working out all the details before i'm about to fly out in a couple days and i remember being very cocky so this, I take responsibility. I don't think what happened to me was, was warranted. However, I do recognize that I was not vigilant and aware of my surroundings, which usually I totally am. I've lived in the most dangerous cities in the world. I've traveled the world extensively as a single female on my own. I know what to do. I was not doing that. And I got cocky. And even the person who lived there was like, hey, just be safe getting home. And I said, do you know where I'm from? I'm from Toronto. I'm from Scarborough. Like I'm from the hood, like no hood in Canada versus hood in the United States where everybody has guns. Hood in LA, hood in Canada. No, I need to slow my roll, which I did not know. So I said, you know what? Feeling so much like I was a slave. I didn't even feel that I could have phone conversations where I was living. So I said, you know what? I'm going to walk home. It's relatively close. Did not listen to my friend's advice. And um, 
so just so I could have this conversation with this fascinating person that I wanted to get to know better. So again, walking alone, not aware with my, like having a conversation, you might as well put the bullseye right <laughs> on my forehead, right on my back, right? Again, not justifying what this person did, but I was not being vigilant. So I accept my role in what happens next. So I'm walking and again, I not flashy. I had just come from working out. I didn't even have a purse visible. I had a shopping bag. Right. My stuff was in my like reusable shopping bag, walking down a well-lit street. And at this time in California, it's getting dark around five, 5.30. So I don't even remember what time, but it is getting dark. Well, well-lit main street. And I'm having a conversation and all of a sudden somebody comes up behind me, pulls my ponytail until I'm on my knees and I'm staring down the barrel of a gun. And I've never seen a gun at this point, Canadian. So we just, yeah. you know, yeah. wasn't really a thing. So now I'm looking down this like black gun and I'm freaking out. I just, I'm just like, and he's like, give me your shit. And so my mind very quickly, similar to that situation where the guy's choking me, it's like, like what is happening right now? And what in my experience has helped me? And I, I knew that if this man took my stuff, my passport, everything that I had, I wasn't going, I wasn't getting out of here. It was also Thanksgiving weekend. So I was going to be stuck in the United States in this terrible situation, like literally where I feel like I'm a slave. I can't even have a conversation on the phone. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was like, if this guy takes this stuff, I don't know when I'm getting out of here. And I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't. So automatically my mind switches. And this is not me speaking at this point. And so I'm on my knees, gun to my face. And I just started like scratching at his jeans. I said, sir, please don't do this. You don't need to do this, sir. Um, you know, being very polite, very respectful, and just trying to appeal to, I don't know, his hu- humanity, I guess. Right. But he'd definitely never been called sir a day in his life. So it did disarm him. It did disorient him. And he eventually realized what had been going on and said, give me your fucking shit or I'm going to kill you. And again, my mind is processing all of this information. And I decided like, I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to go to the island of Dominica and I wanted to carry on with my life, my year of finding me and fuck you. You don't get to just decide that you want to take this from me. And truthfully, now that I've done all this work, I've realized it was a response to the my friend's brother who raped me when I was four. It was a response to the Forbes or Fortune 500 CEO who hired me as a teenager and then tried to molest me. Um, It was a response to every man that has decided that he gets to just take something from me. And it was my, fuck you, I've had enough. So I said, on my knees, gun to my face, fucking shoot me then. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what a dumb thing to say, but I said it. And he did not like that. So he started, punch, he punched me. He started hitting me with the gun. He was pistol whipping me. And so I get knocked over and I hit my head on the pavement. And my inner voice is screaming, if you don't get up and fight, this man is going to kill you. So I got up and it was just like all of that training and, you know, everything from even witnessing my father, like anything that was in my DNA came to life. And I got up on my feet and I started fighting back and I was throwing punches. I was bobbing and weaving. And so I'm fighting. I feel like it's literally, we're going shot for shot. It's, it's Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. And again, after a while, which for me has slowed down. So it seems like we're fighting for minutes, hours. Right. It's probably seconds, right? Right, right. And I'm exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. I've never had to bare fisted fight a man who is bigger than me. 
And so I'm exhausted. And so I just muster every last ounce of fight into one final punch. And I've laid in to his chin. And after that punch landed, my middle finger went down and just ripped his chain off of his neck. And truthfully, that was not just for him. That was for every man that has tried to take something from me or has taken something from me without my consent. Just, I, that was the last straw. I was like, I will fucking die for this. Fuck you and fuck everybody who has done some shit that was unacceptable. That was it. I was like, you know what? I've lived a great life. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight right now. I'm not going to lay back and take it. So as I ripped that chain, and mind you, in the hip hop culture, snatching somebody's chain is like a big disrespect. I wasn't (laughs) meaning to. This was not like, oh, motherfucker, I'm going to take your chain. No, it's just something that happened with not even my whole, not even every finger, not my fist, just one finger. Bitch. (laughs) Bitch. And I'm telling you, Gail, it's like there was a shift in the universe in that moment because me standing up for myself and me being like, fuck you, fuck you and fuck every man who has ever tried to take something from me because you see me as being weaker than you or just because you determined that you want that thing. I don't want to give that thing. You don't get that thing from me. I'm taking a stand. I'm standing up for myself. And that chain broke through literal chains in the cosmos where they were like, oh, this bitch ain't going to take it no more. Right. Right. And it it shifted the whole shifted so much for you in that situation, too, because remember, he still has the gun. Right. But now I can tell that he's a little bit. He doesn't know what the hell is going on. So the whole dynamic shifted. And I was even thinking like, because when he attacked me and I was on my phone, I dropped my phone. So he picked up the phone and a part of me was like, go get your shit, bitch. And I was like, no, 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 no. You are alive. Like my rational side was like, are you fucking crazy? Get the fuck out of there. So I, I, I run home and as the door closes, the gate closes, get into the apartment, the door closes and my roommates are there. That's when it was like, holy shit. I'm still alive. I could have been dead. And so I break down. I tell them, they're like, oh my God. So they call the police and um, the police come. And again, it's interesting because, you know, I was volunteering my time. I'm allowed to be in the U.S. as a Canadian for six months out of any given calendar year. So I'm well within my time frame. I've done nothing wrong, but I have to like, as the police are coming to take my statement and whatever, I'm reminding myself, you are legally allowed to be here. You have done nothing wrong. Right. You didn't do anything wrong. This is not your fault. You are okay. You are allowed to be here. You are allowed to be here. And it's just like constantly because, you know, the police should be something that is a uh, yay. They're coming. And it's not a yay. This right. is not a yay. I'm like, oh shit, the popo's coming. You know, like I'm automatically on guard to like, I don't want to be in a worse situation because of me defending myself. Because reasonably, like, you know, if I think legally, if he sued me because he, you know, I fucked up his face or something, like, I think that could be a thing, even though he attacked me first, right? Such a litigious, and the laws Uh, are uh, very... uh, Yeah, let's not even go down that path. Let's not even go down that path. So (laughs) I remember the police showed up, and so they were taking pictures, looking. I was not injured. I was not like, I was not a religious person. I was raised in a very Christian household. I was not religious. I would not say I was part of any organized religion at that time, but I had a renewed sense of believing because there were guardian angels. Like I could have very well been dead and something stepped in and said, "Mm -mm, this ain't your time, girl. You still got stuff to do. This world still needs you to to make an impact. So it does. Oof, because even speaking, something was speaking on my behalf. Like it was, it was very surreal. And so the police come, they're taking pictures. They're trying to see if I have any injuries. They're taking my statements. 
And so that was a man taking the pictures. And then there was two female officers and they said, this is just protocol. Uh, you're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing, you know, but they're like, it's just protocol. So they, they pat me down. They took my keys. Yeah. And so I'm like, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't, didn't do anything wrong. You're legally allowed to be here. They put me in the back seat of the police uh, car. And I'm thinking this is a very hard seat. And my knees are like, you know, they didn't handcuff me, but I'm just like, huh. I didn't think the uh, back seat of the cop car would be so hard. You know, it was yeah. like, like hard. It was just a weird, like, I never thought I'd be in the backseat of a Long Beach, Long Beach Police Department um, vehicle, but they're like, oh, it's just protocol. We want to take you back to where it happened. I'm like, I can tell you the exact meter by meter, meter squared location because I was wearing, uh, I was carrying one of those Voss glass water bottles. And so the water bottle smashed when he first attacked me. And I was like, it's literally at this exact juncture on Redondo. Right. Um, but they were just like, it's just protocol. I was like, okay, this is weird. So as we're driving and there's like a bunch of officers kind of like trying to find evidence or I don't know what they're doing. There's a bunch of people out. And I remember apologizing. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry. So Canadian. And, oh, I'm sorry that you, know, you guys have to do work or whatever. And they're like, right. they said, first of all, stop apologizing because this guy has been attacking women in Long Beach so much and most women are so petrified it's like the woman who left the comp the event after i was choked right, right i can't handle this this is too scary most women are so petrified that they can't talk about it they can't tell them what happened they they're just scared for their lives they're like you were able to give us a an account of what had happened mm -hmm. with the chain we might have his dna and like, you know, so they're like, what you should, and then the other one was, what you should do is uh, consider becoming a police officer. And then the other officer was like, yeah, I would ride with you. Like, Hi. <laughs> Stop. Oh my God. God. Let you be his boot. How nice. <laughs> <laughs> I said an officer would be like, I would be your ride to die, basically. Yeah. Like, I would partner with you. Is It made me feel good. And then also throughout the process, thinking about this guy going back to his like homies crib or wherever, you know, after the thing and them being like, bro, what happened to your face? <laughs> or like, where's your chain? Like that gave me a sense of like, <sighs> fuck you. Right. Right. Yes. So, so, and, and you posted about it and, you know, people reached out to you and there was a lot of reflection that you went through Oof. after that. Um, it was shortly after that, that you decided that you were going to embrace your heritage that you weren't too sure you knew enough about mm. and become a comedian in a foreign land where you didn't know the language because why not go all out? Because that's what Simone does. <laughs> huh? So that was 2015. Yeah, it just... It just really led to me being quite fearless, I would say, yeah. you know, coming that close to realizing that I could have died made me really want to, like, when I leave, when it's my time, when it's my time to leave this earth, I want to know that I went out guns blazing, never feeling scared to do anything and speaking up for people that maybe don't have a voice and just... Mm -hmm just doing the thing and I feel like I have lived that way uh since that event and you know I'm very proud of that I also so I started doing therapy you know getting into comedy shortly thereafter in 2017 was my form of therapy as we right. know mental health is not something that's really revered in the Asian culture it is something that is thankfully changing now um, but that was my form of therapy. Now I've actually started doing actual therapy, which made me realize that I was raped when I was four. And, um, you know, being able to process all of these things that I was starting to get little glimpses or like, you know, and I was just like, mm, I'm not ready. I don't want right. to, let's just, mm, no, no, no. Like I wasn't yeah. ready to do that. And so I would say it, it wasn't until um, COVID actually where I was in Hawaii doing comedy. They had their first comedy festival and then COVID hit 
And so I decided to just move to the middle of nowhere on the big island. And that's where, you know, the mother earth, the Aina was just so supportive and, and nurturing and just saying like, we know that this is very hard, but you're safe and you can process this trauma and you can let it, you can work on letting it go. And I did feel so supported by the earth and by whatever entities to like, I cried so many tears into the land during COVID. I was completely isolated just on a couple acres of land and um, no car, no ability to really get anywhere. I had one friend that would take me to a farmer's market so I could get food, but I had nothing in this apartment. And after a while of just like watching Netflix and doing whatever, there was nothing else to do but confront my inner demons and face yeah. face everything that had happened to me and know that I would be okay. Know that it was time for me to feel comfortable enough to dive into this and that I would be okay as a result. I felt totally nurtured and supported. And I realized that... Um, I had, I had done some work in Colombia and Argentina with my friend startup, and we would do all kinds of workshops and exercises. And I found those notes and it basically detailed exactly my perfect life, day in the life of Simone Park. What does right. this look like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? What am I seeing? What am I doing? Right. I, I realized the exercises. Yes. <laughs> it was my life in Hawaii. Right. And so I said, I have to figure out how to, how to be. Yeah. So I went, this is all during COVID by the way. And I went back to Canada because my visa was expiring and I made it back with two hours left on my travel visa. I really pushed it to the limits. Like if there was one flight delayed, would have missed it and been out of uh, status with the United States, but everything opened up. I got back and I launched into full finding a job, getting a work permit, getting, um, you know, coming. And so within seven weeks I had moved back and I've been here pretty much ever since, uh, with a new employer, of course, that I'm very happy about because I remember that I used to be someone who felt they could positively impact the world. And in my quest to be in Hawaii, where I was like, this is where I feel safe. This is where I'm able to process things out of my life that no longer need to be there. This is where I feel the most at home. But then the job was so restrictive and it, I felt again, like a prisoner. Right. Like I felt like how I felt in Long Beach, but right. it was a means to an end. I need this job to be able to stay in Hawaii. Right. And so eventually I finally, it was actually when my father got sick and I realized, I think that was his final gift to me was you don't need to be in this job just to be in Hawaii. And so I left that job as I had to go back to, you know, catch my father before he left this earth. And I found a great job that is simultaneously like uh, fulfilling work, but also working on achieving peace in this world. So it's like, it oh yeah, that feeling of, it right? supports my mission and allows me to be in Hawaii and, you know, my boss is great. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful that I get to be in the place that I love so much. And I have so much respect for, um, so I feel very, very lucky, but then also having a job that fulfills me and makes me feel like I'm helping to make the world a better place. So it's taken a lot, but, um, you know, I'm continually working on processing all, all of my past and recognizing what is truly a part of me versus what I had to erect these walls, you know, to protect myself from things that had happened to me before. And I feel like I'm, I, I'm in a really good place because I'm not running from, from my trauma. I, I, I honor it and I recognize that it has made me into the person I am. I would not be this, this version of Simone had not every single experience in my life had happened the way it did. Simone, we wouldn't so, have clicked as roommates if you hadn't nope. had those experiences because we wouldn't mm -hmm. have a, a common vibe where we could relate to, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the stories that you were telling me, I'm like, yep, uh-huh, yep. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah, been there, done that, totally, totally understand. But what I love about your story, um, it, because you were fearless before, but you came, became the mother of fearless after, okay? It was a fearless, but from the very masculine bravado, um, like it was, it was that like, I won't be attacked if I'm the, if I'm the aggressor. Right. And that was definitely a trauma response right. to what had happened to me. That was my protection mode. Right. That was, I need to come out of the gate. It's like, if I went to prison, I got to beat up the biggest bitch in there. Right. Otherwise I'm going to be someone's bitch. Right. And that's not going to happen. Right. No, that's never yeah. going to happen. But it was, I was constantly in that mentality of, um, I have to, I have to give off this aura of being this strong, you know, like thing that nobody would want to fuck with. And it's just now that I'm like, oh, okay, what is the divine feminine as a woman? What does that mean? And, and you know, recognizing that vulnerability is the ultimate strength and being able to kind of just take a step back and not, not have, it was a front. It was a front because I was petrified. And I did not want to relive the terrible things that I had experienced. No. So no, and this, mm -hmm. go ahead. no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is the first time in my life. So I managed to process a lot of hidden trauma that I had repressed from, from being four years old, three or four years old. And the message that came through was that you're safe and you can be, you can finally be yourself. Right whatever that means, like you can be free to be who you are, which I'm like, what does that even mean? So it's like continually just, you know, getting rid of chipping away all the things that were not actually me that were just like, if I don't, if I'm not this way, I'm going to have to constantly be fighting. And Hawaii has allowed me that ability to feel safe enough to just be, be Simone. And right. You know, it's taken me a long time. My birthday's in two days. Um, yeah. Um, and at first, when I realized this, I was a little bit sad and disappointed. Like so many years of not, not being myself. But then I had to reframe that and change the perspective and say, some people live their whole lives and never get here. And look most at me, I people, still look young. I still people. look young. But most people okay. live their life and don't get there. Not some people, exactly. you know, most people because they've gotten to, um, I've got this, this new perspective now of even people who are successful, right? Mm -hmm. they, they get to a comfort level, mm. you know, they, they, they've got the power, the passion, the energy to get to this level. And then they, they, they kind of hold space there. They, they, they get com they, like comfortable. They get comfortable. They're treading water. They're not there and they lose their mojo. I've had so many clients mm. come to me and just say, you know, and I've tried the new trick, the trick scale. I've done the meditating. I've done the journaling. I've done the blah, 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 blah. I can't find my mojo. I said, well, those tricks worked for you to get you where you are. You need new mm. tricks to get you someplace else. How Simone got her groove back. How Simone got her groove back. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's do a book. <laughs> I'm actually writing a book. I'm awesome. actually writing a book that I will release before my next birthday. So it gives oh. me one year and two days. Okay. I put it out there now. I've declared it. So Okay, you declared it. So it has to happen. And, and is exactly. it how Simone got her groove back? Um, It's more of a... Kind of, yeah. It's yeah. it's going through the process of recognizing all of the significant events in my life and how I managed to eventually recognize that it had kept me as a prisoner and how I freed myself, the emancipation. Right, right. <laughs> now when you and I met, you were feeling imprisoned. You weren't able to put your finger on it, right? Mm. Um, dur during that time frame, and And for me, I had just major walls had just come down for me during that time. And I was in a layback. I'm going to like the 50 people that were in our tribe, right? Yeah. Check them out. And I'm going to give them their space to do their thing. They're not doing their thing. 
you know, mind your business, let them fucking do their thing. <laughs> what are they going to do their goddamn thing? Right? <laughs> just mind your business. That's all. Just oh mind your business. God. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, but it was good. I still, um, do you remember the doctor and his son, Barry? And yes. Yes. Barry. I don't remember their names. So they, they, um, the, the doctor and his wife who are just like the most beautiful couple ever. And they were living in San Francisco in the Bay area. And the first time I ever did comedy, they came out to a show. Oh, and it was so good to see them. Oh my goodness. I think that's the only, I think that's one of the only ones. I think the French Canadian girl, remember we had a French Canadian girl. Actually, I gave her a a ride home or a a ride to San Diego. Yes. She was meeting someone and every once in a while, her and I will hook up. She is such a sweetheart. And then actually there was that couple. um, There are a couple of couples. yeah, and and they hadn't they hadn't gotten married or they have like a bunch of kids and uh, I still I still see them on my social media from time to time and uh, it's it's interesting so I guess I have kind of maintained a little bit of contact with some of our tribe if you will <laughs> well when you go through something um, transformational and that weekend was transformational. Right. Oh, I forgot to tell you that from that first exercise where I, we learned how to fight, they actually offered me a job. Oh. They offered me a job to be a female trainer. Awesome. That See? I would have taken, except they did not provide health insurance. And I'm like, you want me to come to the United States without health insurance and basically be in the front lines of attacking and being in physical altercations with hundreds of people, yeah, that's a, that's a no. That's a, that's a no for me. That's a no. That's a no. That's a no. Makes no sense. No insurance. That's like the only thing they should be offering, right? But remember how there was like little to no female uh, instructors. I was like, right. this is ridiculous. And then then they contacted me and they said, you know, we would love to have you on as a as a trainer. Oh my god! I was like, "That's right, motherfucker! (laughs) That's right!" Oh my god! So, so Simone, right now, the company that you work for, you sent me to their website, live, live and let live, live and let live dot org, correct? Dot org. It was rather fascinating. Well, I won't say fascinating because it's really common sense. It's Mm. just common sense. Um, but you would the, think you would think mm-hmm. you would think, but the fact that there are lawyers saying, let's not be litigious. Let's yeah. just have some common sense, some common courtesy, um, some common respect around the world. Yeah. And it's basically just don't aggress against other people. Yeah. And, you know, we all have our right to pursue our own happiness but we have to respect other people's rights to do the same. And that's truthfully the only way that I see possible for the world to get to freedom and then to peace is almost to agree or disagree because when it comes to morality or ethics, even within the United States, we're never gonna agree. You see how you know it's either politics so you're a D or an R, we don't see eye to eye. Now it's with the, the mandates, the vaccines, the masks, you're on one side or the other. Right. Um, it's always like pick, you're either with me or you're against me. Right. With live and let live, we're saying, first of all, can we have an open civil discussion? Second of all, as long as we agree that you can live how you are, even if I don't agree with you, even if I don't agree with how you're living, as long as you're not posing a risk to me in my pursuit of happiness and the way that I want to live, right? I don't care. I, I shouldn't care. And I think too often we see people caring more about other people not living their life in how I view as being moral or ethical that I, I can't even live my own life. Oh my, heaven forbid these people, we got to stop them. 
if you were so happy and just living your life, you wouldn't, this wouldn't be an issue. Well, that's, you're talking about, oh, we could go on and on. (laughs) I know, I know. Do I want to open up this? I'll touch this and maybe it'll be another conversation. Part two. Right? Maybe it'll be another conversation. Because because now we're talking about, um, most people are emotionally starving. They um, have no self-esteem and they raise their perspective, they think, based on what I call the Mexican crab game. I'm going to pull this crab down to get me up. So I'm just Why do they have you to down. be Mexican? I don't know. That's what I was told. All right. So it's just a crab game. Okay. <laughs> I think it's called crabs in a bucket. Or at least there's a, there's, there's a hip hop song. Anyway, okay. sorry. So, okay, so that, that shows me. I was immediately like, <laughs> this is racist, Gail. What are we going to talk about? <laughs> but it really is about you're, you're getting ahead of me and I need to pull you down. Yeah. And yeah, I feel better that. if I'm standing and crushing you. Or and the sense that people, people feel better. Like they don't like to see people succeed when they know that they're not, when they're not furthering their progress. And so that's why they're like, no, 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 come back down. And that's also why I think people, you know, when they hear about someone's plans and they're going to launch their own business, they're going to go and do this thing. And they're going to take a step forward towards their dreams to achieving something that they've always wanted to do that triggers in that other person. I'm not doing what I should be doing to further my progress towards achieving my dreams. So you doing that for yourself reminds me that I'm not doing it. So get the fuck back here. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And honest, yeah. honestly, I mean, I don't know about you, but I got, when I decided to be an entrepreneur, I got, oh, that's so dangerous. You're taking a chance. And, you know, well, what if you fail? Like, you want to know how many times I have failed in the past 10 years? Um, it's progress towards actually achievement. Right. And something that was very helpful for me was the reframing of the perspective to seeing someone else achieve and take those steps towards getting to their dreams and their goals should indicate to me that it's possible. Right. Watching someone succeed should be a prompt to be like, hey, now you can go do that because go they've do done thing. it. That makes it possible. It's like the four, the four minute mile. Right. Nobody thought it was possible until somebody did it. And then the same year, I don't know the number, but it was like a hundred and something people or 300 something people did it too, because they saw it was possible. That is such a beautiful thing. And such an important distinction that we could be, Oh, that person doing it means that I'm a piece of shit. Or that person doing it is that little bit of lifting you up to say, go, come on, you're safe. So the, the, the friends that I associate with now, and they, we literally say this, it's like, Gail, I'm putting my hand down, grab it, I'm going to pull you up. You need a little mm. lift up, right? And every once in a while, I'll get a, Gail, I need a lift up. Sure, let's go. What do you need? Right? Completely. And by doing that, doesn't that just elevate the benchmark, the starting point, the platform at which we can all start from you know what I mean it's just like hey as humanity it starts elevating all of us to a higher level and I just wish that people would get their head out of their asses and be like you know what it's not competition we're all in this together and that are you know even when I think about relationships where it's like oh only one person can win no as a unit right as a true partnership a win for one is a win for the whole unit. Right. And sometimes you might have to sacrifice or otherwise, but I see that as well from like, whether we look at it just from women, you know, women have been trained to see each other as competition, but in general, as a populace for humanity, as a global community, these wins should not be like, oh, they're getting to space. And now we, you know, our rocket has to be bigger. How about we utilize what they've accomplished and what we now know as a result of what they've done I mean, I would love to see more open source kind of platform happening where it's like, we as humanity have achieved this. And now like what kind of Elon Musk had started off as, 
you know, with electric cars and like, look right. how many other electric cars and autonomous drivers. And nobody thought this was possible. And he was smart enough to be like, you know what? I'm gonna keep a couple things on the down low secretive for me because I've worked very, very hard. But for the most part, here, you go. here is what, and I think it's because he downloaded a lot from Nikola Tesla. Um, so to, to hide that and keep that would just be a real dickish move. Right, right. Well, and then you've got him now going into space. I you know mean, when you know i mean I, would, the, I think i would do very well in space by the way i think you would do awesome in space and i think that if anyone could figure out how to communicate with extraterrestrials just with my like weird ability to tap into languages it might be me i i, I would love to do that i would and in fact i actually all right so now we're getting woo-woo guys <laughs> because i actually and, think i tap into extraterrestrials all the time <laughs> well remember where we were doing this conference or this event was in places where at 29 palms where they're like here are multiple vor- vortexes there are vortexes, vortexes all over the place yep vortexes Is it vortices or vortexes, vortexes. Vort- I, don't know. I think vortices i don't know I, the I don't multiple know. But there are a bunch more of than one vortex <laughs> right all around yeah. right like that's a very interesting area of california and yeah. of the world where yeah. joshua tree in california and then um and then in oh, almost any place that you go in arizona out into the desert it's just ridiculous and sedona well, sedona's nuts those. sedona's nuts but there are reservations indian reservations in arizona that you can't you have to get permission from them to go to their vortexes, yeah. Well, and they're probably very, considered very sacred places. Yeah, I was gonna say very sacred, very spiritual, yeah. And Did you know, spiritual. sorry, this is a very random side point, but I love it. non, so this is the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States of America that I recently read and I was quite fascinated by, but non-taxpaying Indians are not considered as a voter or the people it was there very, a- it was very interesting also to be reading this and thinking how, like, there's a lot of very intelligent things that were written and then realizing, hey, I'm not the people. I, this doesn't apply to me. It was very, um, very interesting. Huh. So that is uh, something that my brother reads every year on his birthday. Hmm. Maybe year. that's why, because I'm coming up on my birthday and yeah. <laughs> you know, living in living in Hawaii now. It's maybe stuff that I need to connect those dots, right? Maybe, maybe I don't know, but I love, love, love how you have grown. I love the challenges that you take on full force. I mm. I look forward to what's going on and all of the changes in your life. Um, you get back to the states for any reason. Let me know if I'm within you know, a two hour driving distance, I will be there. Like when you were in New York, I think we were, oh, I was probably still in LA. I'm in San Diego when you were in New York because I'm now um, in New Hampshire. So New York is five hours away. I will, would come and see you. I would say with the timing, it's October. There's very little chance that that'll be happening until maybe June when the weather, like I'm just not about that winter life. You know, I'm neither am I, I'm, I'm becoming a snowbird. So, okay. San Diego, that's where, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be a more reasonable place to meet. But All right, I'll let you also, know if you I'm ever there. come to, if you come to Hawaii, it's oh. a truly spectacular, magical place. I wouldn't leave. That's, I wouldn't want to leave. I, I understand that leave. feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a client that's Hawaiian and he's just, he's so special. I just, I, I love working with him. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's a heart there. There's a, there's a, there's something there. There really definitely mm-hmm. is something there. Oh, yes. So anyway, babe, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Um, let's see. Well, for Live and Let Live, they can go on to the website. Uh, it's www.liveandletlive.org. They can put their um, email information in to join and they could write a message if they wanted. Um, on Instagram, they can, they can look me up. Um, there's either live and let live movement, or for me personally, it's at spark the power. So S park for Simone park. So spark the power, all one word. Um, or if they want to just reach out personally, I guess I can give them my 
email? I would say, um, how about through Facebook? Or Facebook. Yep. So I have a public page. Yeah. I have a public page that's just backslash uh, Simone, S-I-M-M-O-N-E and park like a walk in the park, which is my last name. And that's funny. I'm just like, let me give you the stuff to uh, yeah, take my identity yeah. or whatever. <laughs> my social security number is. <laughs> Are you ready? Let me tell you all of my uh, childhood stuff as well. So you can just tap into um, that and steal but it. But you also have a podcast that's pretty new. Um, Peace Talks. So, yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an Instagram live that I do with a beautiful live and let liver named Maria. She's from Colombia. Um, so it's every Wednesday. And you can find that uh, the handle is at live and let live movement. And yeah, Peace Talks is every Wednesday. Um, And if there are topics or anything that people want to discuss, it's just sort of how we apply the live and let live principle to any subject that we want to discuss. That's fantastic. Simone, I miss you so much. (laughs) I know, I miss you too. It's great to catch up. I know, finally. Um, And, you know, guys, I probably will have her on again because there's so much that we could dig into. And I love our conversations because they're open, they're honest, they're raw, they're from the heart, they're truth. And, you know, that's what they're all about. But you saw, you heard what Simone went through, what she realized, and she was able to alchemize her experiences and you know create them into a life that she wants thank you so much simone this has been Mm. awesome thank you gail great to see you thank you for listening to the empowering process podcast be sure to visit gail at gailcraft.com to learn more about how she serves thought leaders entrepreneurs and goal seekers and remember if you like this broadcast be sure to share and subscribe so you don't miss an episode